Well, good evening. I am so glad to be with you all tonight. And as mentioned, my name is Ashley Foltz, and this is my fourth year working with crew here at Ball State. Um, I'm not sure if you know about this, but we're approaching an anniversary of an event. Two years ago, this Sunday, our nation was forever divided into two types of people. Blue and black, white and gold. The great dress debate ruined friendships and sparked an internet war for the ages. See, you can't even stop talking about it right now. This viral phenomenon became so popular that the media, they say that it broke the internet. Nothing like this has happened before. Now, I need to know who sees blue and black? Okay. And the arguing begins. Now raise your hand if you see white and gold. Wow. All right, I know this happens sometimes, so who sees both? Okay, so a few of you see both. All right. You know, I, this just still blows my mind. I just can't comprehend this. I mean, a few minutes before this meeting started, my husband Eric and I were still arguing about this. I see blue and black, he sees white and gold. This is just crazy to me. So this took the world by surprise and many people joined in on the fun. So Dunkin' Donuts made donuts to represent the way people perceive this dress. And Lego replica replicated it as well. Isn't that fun? Celebrities joined in and they were tweeting their opinions. Taylor Swift, she says, I don't understand this odd dress debate and I feel like it's a trick somehow. I'm confused and scared. P.S. It's obviously blue and black. Well, like I said, I'm with Taylor on this one. I think it's blue and black and the real dress is blue and black. So take that white and gold. Just kidding. Um, but seriously, why? Is Taylor Swift so confused and scared? Well, I think actress and comedian Mindy Kaling explains it for us in this tweet. I think I'm getting so mad about the dress because it's an assault on what I believe is absolute truth. Now, the color of a dress is objective truth. We don't use our feelings or our opinions to determine what color something is. This dress took what we believe to be true and flipped it on its head. Two groups of people both fighting on what they believe was truth. How do we reconcile this? Well, just as this dress caused uncertainty, every day we are faced with the question, what is truth? We have to wade through fake news and opinions projected as facts. More than just hearing these lies and the fake news, we often believe them. Just like we are subject to believing the lies of the culture around us, so we are often deceived and we believe lies and false teachings about God instead of the truth that he has revealed to us. 
But since God is truth, he allows us to overcome falsehood by his word and his spirit. So tonight, we're continuing our series in 1 John as we seek to explore God's attributes. And tonight, we are looking at how God is truth. So before we get into our passage in 1 John, let's talk about truth and how God exemplifies that. So what is truth? Truth is that which is reality, that which is in in accordance with the facts, not something subject to our opinions. Truth is. You know, I've heard it said that God is the author, source, determiner, governor, controller, ultimate standard, and final judge of all truth. And since he alone is eternal and self-existent, and he alone is the creator of everything else, he is the fountain of all truth. Let's look at a few scriptures that show us how God is truth. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. David in one of the Psalms says, You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. In the passage that we will be looking at tonight, John is going to expand on what we've looked at so far about God being truth. So if you have a Bible with you, please open to 1 John chapter 4. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, please write that on your blue card and we'll be sure to get you one. So please follow along as I read 1 John chapter 4 and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would grow us in a deeper understanding of how you are truth and how that informs the way that we live. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. So in this passage, John, our author, communicates three things to us. Because God is truth, we should test the spirits or the sources of the messages we hear Secondly, because God is truth, we can tell who follows God. And lastly, because God is truth, we as believers will triumph over Satan's deception. So let's begin by looking at our first point, which is we should test the spirits. So focusing on the first three verses, do you notice what John calls his readers? Beloved, 
he's reminding the readers that they are so loved by God. And he doesn't want them to forget that. If you were to flip back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, you can see why John is writing these instructions. John says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. You see, there are false teachers who were claiming information that was contrary to God's word. John gives instructions not to believe every spirit or message, but instead to test them to see if they are from God. In verse 2, John tells us how to test these messages. He says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, at this time, Gnosticism was rampant in the church, and this was a heretical movement, which in part believed that all physical matter was evil. And so these false teachers that John is warning the readers about were saying that Jesus did not actually come to earth in the form of a human. They believed, if they believed that all physical matter was evil, then surely the Son of God would not come and be a human. Now, these false teachers' message wasn't completely wrong. It's not like they were telling people to not believe in Jesus. They were just saying he wasn't human. It was just a small modification to the truth. How many popular Christian pastors, authors, bloggers, or ministries are there that have just enough truth that they have a huge following? It's not like they're saying, don't believe in Jesus. They're claiming lots of Christian beliefs, yet they are not holding fast to the entirety of the scripture. In the book of John, in chapter 1, verse 4, John writes that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. This word is Jesus himself. He came to earth, and he did dwell among us as a human. And Hebrews goes on to say that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now let me ask you, could Jesus have bled if he was not a human? No. If Jesus did not actually come in the flesh, then he was never a perfect substitute to pay for our sins. There would be no gospel message. So as we see, these teachers that John is writing against were truly wrong. And this is extremely significant. To alter God's truth in the slightest bit is to misrepresent his character. And it is a serious offense. Now, this issue of false teaching is not something that was only prevalent in John's day, but we see it in our Christian culture today. So what are some of these false beliefs? Now, perhaps Jesus was just a great moral teacher. Your good works determine your right standing before God. If you don't feel God emotionally, he must have left you, and it's obvious he's not working in your life. When you put your faith in Christ, suffering and difficulties will automatically go away. Your relationship with God is first and foremost about making you feel good. 
I need to feel a strong emotional experience before I can take a step of faith, like share the gospel with my friend. And maybe it's something more subtle that just comes into your mind, just a simple lie that comes creeping in, like, God hates me. He's against me. He isn't in control. God won't take care of me, and he won't provide for me. We can test every teaching by holding it to the word of God. If it is consistent with his word, then it stands. If it is inconsistent, then it falls. So I want to ask you, as you think of your own life, what false teachings are you prone to believe? Do the sources that you look to for spiritual growth hold fast to the entirety of Scripture? We must test every spirit to see if it is from God. Just as we can determine the truthfulness of a teaching by holding it against God's word, so we can determine who follows God by watching who walks in his truth. And that's what we're going to look at at our next point. So let's continue with our second point by revisiting verses 5 and 6 in our passage. It says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now this word listen that you see several times in those verses, in the original language, it means more than just hearing. It means comprehending and understanding. So those who listen to God's truth respond accordingly with their lives. John in his gospel recorded Jesus saying, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we can tell who belongs to Jesus by whether or not they listen and follow Jesus' teachings. Now you may be asking, so what are Jesus' teachings exactly? You know, in some of your Bibles, it might have Jesus' spoken words in red. So as long as we hold to those words in red, then we're his disciples, right? Well, not exactly. So maybe you've heard people say, you know, sure, the Bible talks about this particular topic, but Jesus didn't actually say anything about it. So therefore, we just can't know what Jesus thinks about it. But I want to assure you that just because something isn't written in red in your Bible doesn't mean we don't know what Jesus thinks about it. Let me explain this. So as Jesus prayed to God the Father, hours before he was crucified, he prayed that believers would grow in holiness as they understand the truth more and more. In John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is acknowledging that all of the words in the Bible are truth. So when Jesus says that those who hold his teachings are his disciples, He's not talking just about those red words that might be written in your Bible. All of Scripture is God's words, so therefore, it all is truth. Jesus also affirms this in 2 Timothy. As we see Paul writing, All Scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So now that we know all of God's word is truth, how should that inform the way that we live? Now, this is a strange illustration, but hang in there. So I don't watch soap operas, and I'm not encouraging you to watch them, but I found a quote from one, and I just thought it was so profound, so I'm sharing it with you. Also, I don't know if I've ever used soap opera and profound in the same sentence. Um, But uh, on the show General Hospital, the character Helena Cassidine says something that I thought was perfect. She says, funny how everyone is always asking for truth, but when they get it, they don't believe it because it's not the truth they want to hear. Isn't her quote true for us, though? I know as I look at my own life, I say I want the truth, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have the truth that, is, that meets my needs, that fits my preferences, that allows my life to be more comfortable. It is our tendency to submit to our preferences rather than God's truth. Yes, we resist truth that makes us uncomfortable, that requires sacrifice, that might bring suffering, or might cause others to view us in a negative light. And it's often easier to just follow the crowds. If this is what most people say is true, then it must be, right? You know, this way is easy, I don't have to think for myself, and I don't want to cause any trouble or any division. But did you know that more people saw the wrong colors of the dress? More people saw white and gold, but they were wrong. The majority is not always right, and the loudest voice isn't always true. Jesus speaks to this as well when he tells us, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it, are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And when you hold to God's truth and stand for it, the world won't always like it, they won't agree. Those who do not follow Jesus, however, will never have to face the rejection that the child of God will face from the world. And I love how Jesus reminds us again in John 15, 18. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So we're in good company. Each and every day, as you look at the world around you, you are deciding what truth to believe in. Whether you're not even consciously doing it, you are. You are looking to sources to tell you what is true. Is God's truth informing your life? You know, when you think through what your life should be about, what you will do after college, what you will give your money to, where you will live, what social issues you'll fight for, what you believe politically, what you believe about hot-button issues such as the definition of marriage or abortion, 
Are you looking to the word, the only real truth to inform your decisions? When we compare our beliefs of the culture to God, it's not him that needs to change. It's us. Truth isn't determined by our desires, our preferences, what we, what we prefer, or even what the crowd say, but by the word of God alone. So I want to ask you, in what ways are you looking to your own preferences to determine truth, rather than holding fast to God's word to form your beliefs? And furthermore, if we do not hold to Jesus' teachings, the truth, we are leading ourselves to the path of destruction. Has anyone ever read The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen? Did you know that that was a book before Disney? Has anyone actually read the book before? Okay, just a small handful. Well, it was written in 1837, and this original story is not a happily ever after, let me tell you. So, get ready. I might shatter your dreams, so buckle up. Okay, so in the original book, the Little Mermaid goes to her dad, like normal, um, and says, Dad, I just want to be a human. And her dad says, no. Because the little mermaid believes that truth is above the water and not what her dad says, she goes to the evil sea witch and says, oh, I want to be a human. My dad's mean. Um, He's keeping me from things. And the evil sea witch says, okay, you can be a human. But in order for her to become a human, she has to pay a price. For every step that she takes, she experiences the pain as if she is stepping on knives. And in this story, the handsome prince does not love her back. He ends up marrying another girl. And the sea witch tells the little mermaid to kill the prince. Now, she can't muster up the strength to do it. So she ends up throwing herself in the ocean and dies. Sorry about that. So the moral of this story is not listen to your heart and all your dreams will come true. Rather, the moral of this story is listen to your dad because he knows the truth and he loves you. God, our Father, loves us and he speaks only the truth we will find ourselves in destruction if we refuse to listen to him. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 explains that those who do not love the truth will perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. You know, I, I, I don't think straying from God's word is something that happens just overnight. I think it's small, and it's subtle, and it's really sneaky. You know, most people don't wake up and just say, I'm going to stop believing that the word of God is truth. You know, it starts with one decision 
that doesn't seem like a big deal, you know. Well, it's okay if I date this person who isn't a Christian, and, and then it turns into another decision, another and another, until one day you wake up and realize that you might not be, be viewing God's word as truth. You know, I know of people that I went to college with who graduated with me, who were involved with crew, and they aren't walking with Jesus. And I, I don't say this to scare you, but I, I say this to make you aware. And you know, you might be thinking, oh, that could ne- never happen to me. Never, not me. But you know, I bet a lot of those people said the same thing about themselves when they were in college. If there is any one person to trust it is God because he is truth and he loves us. How do you respond to God's truth? Do you hear it and listen to it or do you refuse to listen? In our last point, we will see that for those who hear God's truth and listen, they will triumph. Let's look at our last point by rereading verse 4 in our passage. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, you've probably heard of this verse before. Maybe you've seen it on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. Um, John didn't write this so we could feel empowered to conquer our own personal goals, but rather so that believers in Christ can have confidence as they are bombarded with so many messages. Now, John is saying that the one who is in every believer is the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, who's the one who lives in the world? It's Satan. When John says that the believers have overcome them, he means that they have not given in to believe the false message, messages from Satan, his deception. I think it is so awesome that God is so passionate about you knowing truth, knowing who he is, that he gives us the Holy Spirit to live inside of the believer. Isn't that amazing? Maybe you're familiar with Ephesians 6. It talks about the armor of God, things we put on to withstand the the schemes of the evil one, Satan. One of the pieces of God's armor that we're instructed to put on is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is kind of funny to think about, but did you know that the Holy Spirit has a weapon and that he uses the Word of God to fight the flaming darts of the evil one? Now, because of this, we must ever be increasing in our knowledge of the Word and be consistently spending time in it so the Holy Spirit can use scripture in our own lives to fight against these false messages, whether they're from the world, whether it's inside of our heads. The Holy Spirit is greater than Satan, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you've trusted Christ. 
doesn't that give you confidence as you are faced with so many messages? Because we have the Holy Spirit, there's hope for us. And that we will be able to overcome and persevere to believe God's truth. Not in our power, but in his. Now maybe you're realizing that your thoughts and beliefs have not been informed by God's word. Instead of listening to the spirit, you've chosen to listen to your own preferences. Maybe as they lead you to your own comfort. Or maybe you aren't a Christian, so you do not yet have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to guide you into truth. We all have, at some point, given in and believed messages that aren't from God. This is sin, and we are deserving of separation from God. As we are faced with so many messages from the evil one, the biggest lie that you can believe is that Jesus' grace is not enough for you. Because of God's great love for us, our sin was put on Jesus. He takes our death upon himself. Repent and believe God's truth. He is so worth trusting. For proof of that, just look at the cross. Jesus says in John 8 that you, when you know him, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Don't you want that? I plead for you to trust Jesus and look to him for ultimate truth. And this is where you will find real freedom. So as we close our time, I want to say that every day we are faced with the question, what is truth? And although there are many messages coming our way, God in his grace allows us to overcome falsehood by his word and his spirit. And that is incredible. Let's pray. Lord, it is truly amazing that you give us your word and the Holy Spirit. They show us how you are truth. And Lord, thank you that you have not left us without hope, but you give us just what we need. Lord, thank you that you are the author of truth. And you are the true representation of it. Thank you for your son. I thank you for the sacrifice he's made for us. And I pray knowing that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that would only increase our love for him and our desire to share him with everyone we know. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.